0: It's Monday night. Um, peace be with you. Let the blood of Jesus manifest in your hearts, knowing that we've won the victory. Jesus said that we are more than conquerors. Hallelujah. And I thank him for every day for his mercy and grace. Amen. That we can sit at the table of grace. This amazing thing that we can come into the presence of God, sit at his table and eat with him, eat off him, he get the fruits of the spirit from Him. Look upon Him, how He sees us as children, and not as slaves. We have a a heart for the Lord to serve Him, and to serve uh, the the body of Christ to serve the world. And um, you know it's amazing. You know, I was talking to someone the other day, and I was saying to him that we are not just saved from, we are saved to. We can say we've come from something, we've been through something. He set me free from something, and that's great. But He saved us into a living hope. He's 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 saved us from hell into His kingdom, and this is where we're going. This is where the body's going. This is where Jesus' name will be glorified in this earth. And um, we 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 understand that um, things that might not go to plan. And I want to share a story tonight that we, we might plan something and uh, we might ask God to bless it and then God changes it. God directs it. And we have to be uh, excited about when God speaks and when God directs us into a, a situation. Um, you look through the whole, for the whole book of Acts and you see Jesus well, the Holy Spirit speaking to the disciples, and they seem good to us and the Holy Spirit. And you see, yeah, different leadings of the Holy Spirit. And to try and have a relationship with the Father and the Son with the Holy, without the Holy Ghost is impossible because He's our guide and uh, He guides us into all truth. He doesn't always give us the truth, you know. Some people say, just it's like when Jesus spoke in parables. I go, why don't you just speak plainly? Why are you always speaking riddles and parables? Because because there's treasures hidden here for you. See, God doesn't hide something from you; He hides something for you. And the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. Doesn't always give us the truth. I mean, we receive Him, the Spirit of Truth, and He guides us into all truth. Amen. Because when we go, when we get guided into in a situation and we find that treasure, it's ours. And it's an amazing thing that at some point we need to grow up and mature and find out what the heart of God is in a situation. And that's a topic for another day. But tonight I want to speak to you about the presence of God in the temple. And uh, we're going to go to in in the Old Testament. So if you've got your Bibles, please let's go to second chronicles and chapter five so i want to give you a bit of a background and then we're going to go after second chronicles chapter five we're going to go to the to the book of acts um and we'll and i just want to share something there now we can we can start from verse um we can go from i'll, I'll talk about it this a little bit and then we'll we can go from um, verse eleven. So, Second Chronicles talks about here. It's, it's talking about when Solomon. Now, Solomon was um Solomon was King David's son, and if you read before this on Second Chronicles chapter four, David, King David, had a he was a man after God's heart, and we know all the atrocities that he went through. And did, and he had the imprint. He had the vision of building the house of God. He was he had the ark of the covenant, and the ark of the covenant at that time um was missing. And he went and got it. And, and to cut a long story short, the ark at that time, once he got the ark of the covenant back, it was was under a tent. Where, but David lived in a palace. You know, he says, "Oh, my house is made out of cedar wood," but the house, but. The presence of God is in a tent. And he desired of the Lord to build a house for the Lord. And I was build a temple where he could place the Ark of the Covenant. And he called Nathaniel the prophet. Now you've got to understand something here. And this is something I want to teach on. In the Old Testament, kings and prophets walked hand in hand. You had the kings, the priests, and the prophets, I should say. And you had the kingship, the government. The, uh the the uh, the authority the money maker all that was the king then the priest would be the intercessor in the temple on behalf of the king and the people and the prophet would speak what god wanted in a, every situation in 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 a situation where god would wanted to relay something from heaven and he'd get it across to the king and many other things but just in a nutshell but we now, once we become Christians in the and um, washed by the blood, we are the kings and the priests and the prophets of our home. That doesn't eliminate those offices of a king and a priest and a prophet. When Jesus came, He fulfilled all those offices. But David inquired of Na, uh, of Nathaniel, and he said, "I want to build this uh, house for the Lord. I want to build the temple for the Lord. It's in my heart. I can see it. You know, I've got the gold and the silver and the bronze and the copper. I've got everything." And Nathaniel, the prophet, says, "Let's do it. That's good. Let's go for it." But he that night, Nathan and Nathaniel had a dream of God. He says, "No. He doesn't build the house." And he goes and tells David, "Listen, you can't build this house. Yes, it's in your heart. You want to do it, but because you shed too much blood, I'm not going to allow you to build it. But I allow your son to build it." And David rejoiced in that. He said, "Wow." And then he had a confirmation that his son would be the next king. And even though that David wanted to build that place, Solomon was the one that built it. And it's the type of shadow that David shed a lot of blood. He was a man of war. He conquered, but his son would be more than a conqueror. Can you see the picture? Jesus came and he was a man of war in the sense of he took on the enemy. He, he took on the sin. And he was hung on a cross, and he, although he's the king of kings, he is the lord of Lords, uh, Don't misunderstand me. But when Jesus went to the cross and he died and he was buried and rose again, his offspring, his children, the firstborn of many brethren, would conquer. He, he conquered, and we'd be what are we more than conquerors? Can you see the picture? So, here in the Old Testament, is always a shadow and a type. The Old Testament. Is a shadow of a natural thing to show us a spiritual meaning in the New Testament, and you often hear me say the Old Testament conceals and the New Testament reveals. The Old Testament conceals Christ; the New Testament reveals Christ. The Old Testament hides; uh, uh, is the secrets are hidden, but the New Testament the secrets are given. The Old Testament the keys were given just to the Jews. The New Testament Jesus gives us the keys of the kingdom. And here it's an amazing thing that. When he built it, he told his son, this is how you're going to do it. And he built the, 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 the temple. And it was amazing. If you read, and we're not going to read it at all, but there's so much there. And the gold and the silver and the bronze, you can't even weigh it for all the furniture in the temple. Then the Ark of the Covenant was brought in and was placed in the cherubim angels. And they did it all beautifully. Then they called the elders and the priests and everyone involved. And the Bible says that they sacrificed that many lambs and sheep and 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 cattle, there was too much to even count them. And they shed the blood. It's very important you, you understand that without the blood shedding, you cannot get into the presence of God. Even in the old testament, it says you could not count them. There's too much. And they shed all this blood. You can just imagine that some scholars believe it was thousands of animals. It could have been more shedding the blood and the blood flowing. And it's amazing when they made the ark and they went to dedicate the ark. It's interesting in verse 11. We'll pick it up in verse 11. I want you to follow me here. I want you to follow me. Very important. There's honor. uh, How can I say this? We know that we are children of God. We can come to God freely as children. We know that by the sprinkling of the blood, we can enter boldly to the throne of grace, which I touched on that last Monday. But we can never forget, we can never let go of, lose sight of, I should say, of the protocol on how to enter into a king's castle, the Lord's castle, in a sense. Yes, we are children of God, we come in and out as children, but we should never lose the the reverence of who God really is. Amen. We should never. Uh, underestimate or take God and the Lord, the Lord Jesus, for granted. We are coming in towards the presence of God. Is a holy God. The Bible says is a consuming fire. I think I shared this once before. That many that know me, maybe I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an exalter, I'm an encourager. I like to flow in the spirit. I'm I'm a, I like to kid around and things like that. But there was times there where the Lord showed me the fear of the Lord, and it was amazing. And it was it wasn't a fearful, scared, "Oh my God, this guy is evil." It was more that, "Wow, this I serve an enormous God, and this is no joke," Amen. And here it's an amazing thing, and I want you to pick it up from verse eleven. And I'm going to read it. You all could just give me the thumbs up if you can hear me, okay? All right speaking for an hour, and then I'll ask you. All right. Verse 11. And it came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping without keeping to their divisions. In other words, there was priests from different divisions. You remember if you read the book of uh, Luke when he talks about John the Baptist as Father Zachariah, he was a priest of a certain sect or a certain order of priesthood. And there's different types of priesthood. Now he's not just talking about the high priest here, he's talking about different uh divisions or different sects of priests. But they all they came together. And the Levites were, who uh, were singers of all those of Asphar and Heman and uh, Jeroth, uh sorry, uh Judithon, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east of the altar, clothed in white linen. Underline that highlight that having cymbals, string instruments, harps, with them, listen to this, and with them 120 priests sounding trumpets. So here the priests are coming now to dedicate the temple. The blood was shed. They're wearing white robes or white uh, linen and they're blowing harps and trumpets and cymbals and singing and there was 120. And indeed, verse 13, Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were, were as one to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voices with the trumpet and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercies endure forever. That the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of God had filled the house of God. Did you understand that there was 120 in the temple and they were all in one accord? Does that sound familiar, guys? 120 in one accord, wearing white linen, blood was shed, and the glory of God filled the house and they couldn't stand. Scholars, but if you read further on, they were crawling basically out of the temple because God's presence came down in a, in a, in a great cloud. And it was so thick, they couldn't minister anymore. And the Solomon says, if we keep reading to uh, chapter six, the Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud. I have surely built you an exalted house and a house for you to dwell in forever. And we're talking about a physical structure. We're talking about a place of worship, We're talking about where a place with the ark of the covenant now it's set in its right motion, God's presence will invade the praises of his people hallelujah! But there's some things you need to understand one blood has to be shed, two, you will, once the blood is shed, you're dressed in fine linen. We it speaks of the righteousness of God, also speaks of being about a pure heart towards God, three. It says that they're all blowing trumpets and prophetic words, speaking the word of God. You can in the in the in the spiritual sense, but they're all making a sound in unison. One sound, one heart, one mind, and look what they were declaring: "For He is good, and His is endure forever." And the cloud fell into the temple. And the presence of God invaded his home, his house. It's an amazing picture, but you got to understand that temple fell. You got to understand that building collapsed. You know when they destroyed Solomon's temple. It took them four hundred years to pillage the wealth out of that temple. All the way down, all the gold, the silver. Four hundred years. That's how much. Wealth was there. Because the building was a place and it was a shadow on the top of what God was trying to do in our hearts. Let's go to the book of Acts. If you follow me there, and I want you to understand something, that God doesn't put things in the Bible for the sake of it. We need to understand that you you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're going to stop looking for a manifestation outside us. We're going to look for the presence of God on the inside of us. Praise God. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. So we understand that the shedding of blood was done and people consecrated. What's the what Consecration means to be set apart. They were dressed in fine linen. And they're all in one accord, blowing trumpets, singing, praising God. Day of Pentecost, when it fully came, this is the verse one, and they're all in one accord, in one place. Now, if you read uh, Acts chapter one, talks about who was there. It talks about there were numbers of 120. There was 120 in the upper room. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, we're all in one accord, in one place. Does that sound familiar? One sound, one mind, one heart. And suddenly then came the sound from heaven as of a rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them like divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each and every one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Hallelujah. You got to understand before the day of Pentecost. Guess what happened? Well, you know what happened. Jesus went to the cross to shed His blood. He rose again and breathed them to the Holy Spirit. That's when they all were sealed for the day of redemption. That's when the Holy Ghost sealed His spirits and ignited His spirits. That's when they were born again. That's when they were dressed with the robe of white righteousness. And then they were all in one accord. See God. Uh, did not did, did not want to dwell in man-made temples never again he wants to dwell in the hearts of men so we are truly the house of God we are the church the, the the Holy Spirit wants to live he used to be in a temple and the high priest would come in day after day making sacrifices which could not change your conscience and God's presence wanted to fall just like the presence in the desert when Moses walked in from the desert. There was a cloud in the day and fire at night. And that represented God's presence and they followed them. The cloud covered them from the sun and the fire kept them light and lit them up and kept them warm. It speaks of his presence. There was a cloud in the the temple uh, when Solomon dedicated the temple. Cloud came upon him, could not handle it. But isn't it amazing when Jesus came? He says, oh, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. His presence fell on Pentecost like tongues of fire and baptized them, overwhelmed them, filled them with the mighty Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So now that fire and, and, and the anointing of God came upon them. They were all in one accord and God moved on them. See, we can still call down the anointing now. See, we have a resident anointing, which is on the inside of us. That's the Holy Spirit. We have a corporate anointing when we get together. But we need to understand that we can still call down the mighty Holy Ghost. We know that in the book of Acts, they they did it many times. See, we get complacent thinking, I've got the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues. That's enough. No. Don't make it common. See, when we come together in one accord, we need his presence to manifest. We need his presence to overwhelm us. See, we, we're we coming into an age right now. Listen to me. It won't be about one man. The one man shows are over. I've actually been preaching this for 19 years. And I would think some people that know me that long would say, you've been saying that for 19 years. But it doesn't change the truth. God's preparing his church for the greatest harvest to ever come. See, it's not about numbers. Don't misunderstand me. People think, Oh, the whole numbers. No, no, no. See, every day we meet someone, they got to see Jesus in us. God's presence has to touch them. See, the only way you can change someone is by God. I can't change anyone, but God's presence can change them. God's presence can heal them. God's presence. See, when, when Peter was walking and they lined up uh, all the sick, they knew he was coming. Go, Jesus, Peter's coming. So what happens? Just line them all up. They pick all the sick out. And the Bible says his shadow, as he walked past, healed them. It wasn't his shadow. It was God's glory. It was God's presence upon him. Healed them all. Hallelujah. When we understand God's presence, see, in the Old Testament, it was external. God would fill this house. God would fill, come upon people. But in the New Testament, he's within us. But we still gotta call the presence of God down. Gotta walk in his presence. See what I'm we gotta. If you want to see a revival, revive yourself. You gotta understand that God wants to move, not just upon you, but through you. I don't want to encourage you tonight. It's, It's the word of encouragement that we're doing okay. We may be hard pressed, but we're not destroyed. We may be persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We may be shut down, but we're not. We're not. We're not. We're, we haven't been banished. We are. Listen to me. We are the light in this dark generation. Hallelujah! And sometimes we might have to take some punches. Often say sometimes what we go through, and what we have to. endure Maybe somebody else's salvation. Maybe there's a time where we have to endure something because people are watching us and see our reaction and what we stand for. Are we standing for self righteousness? Are we standing for the one who is righteous? And I want to encourage you tonight. As this is a word of encouragement tonight, that even though, like I keep going back to it because the God was was pressing on me, that whatever, listen to me, whatever wherever you are right now or whatever pain you're suffering you're going through or or whatever failure. See, David wanted to build the house. David is a man after God's heart. David was the true king of Israel. No one's ever asked God to build a house for the temple and God honored him that. But plans have changed. God says, "Not not you, your son. So are we prepared to lay down what we think we can do and get God to tell us what to do? See, God's gonna give us some 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 uh uh some plans and some directions individually and corporately. See, God's been speaking to my heart, this things have changed. And what we perceived is the direction we're going, or the or what I mean by that is where we think we're gonna be at, even if things change tomorrow in the world, the world will never be the same again. We can never be the same again. Amen we are still not seeing the glory of God manifesting on this earth. We are seeing it in glimpses, but God's preparing his, 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 when we talk about the bride, he's preparing us, the bride to take us home. But when he's preparing his church and leading his church is to get the bride, if that makes sense, to, to get us ready for the harvest so God can come down and take his bride. hope that made sense. Because there's different facets of God. We're also known as soldiers in the Bible, and soldiers do not get entangled with civilian affairs. We have to prepare ourselves like a ready soldier, we have to understand what our mission is and to stick to the plan. But every soldier gets directions from above they got seniors, they got commanders, they got uh, people in higher places that tell this is the mission, this is where you're going to go, and things could change at a drop of a hat. So we don't like change. But when God's presence comes upon us, he gives us direction and he gives us comfort and he gives us peace, but he also gives us the ammunition in our hearts to serve him. Because really it's about him. Not about me and not about you, but him. What am I? He says we carry, in, in Second Corinthians, we carry the death of Christ in our bodies so that the life of Christ may be manifest. In other words, I died of my opinion um, and my belief, so his belief and his opinion is reality. See, if I don't make God's word reality, then I'm still in control. Jesus has to be manifested in us. Amen? And I don't want you to keep looking for something that's out there, it's within. See, if you are the temple of the Holy Ghost and we separate ourselves constantly, how do we do that? We set ourselves apart for him. Whether it's praying in the spirit, whether it's fasting, whether it's confessing his word, whether it's spending, meditating on his word. And we, we're setting ourselves apart and we're allowing him to come upon us. Because he's a gentleman. He won't force himself on you. Whenever we, we, we hear this, something's like there's an open heaven. And you know what? I, I could share this with you. There's times in, in my Christian walk I've noticed where, wow, man, I haven't been spending much time with the Lord. Haven't really been digging into the word. I mean, I was in fellowship, I'm always in prayer, but not like a, and God is moving mightily. And I think, wow, this is easy. And it's weird. I could talk about, there was times for six months, six months preaching the gospel. every was every Tuesday and every Thursday at, at, at many years ago. And God was bringing healing and signs and wonders and deliverance and people getting set free, words of knowledge. Uh, I'm, I'm walking through shopping centers and God would give me a word for someone in the shopping center. And God was, hallelujah, it was amazing. Then there's times where, you know what, this is amazing. And all of a sudden, it's like the door shut. Now I know God doesn't shut the door, but it was like a door shut. And what's going on? It's dead as a door now. So we get back to prayer, fasting, and that. And and this, 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 this journey in God. Now, God's not turning on and off. It's not like that. But sometimes there's a there's there's, there's God's sovereignty. He opens up the windows of heaven, he, he opens up an open heaven over your life, and we need to know the seasons. And I learned very quickly that I can't be 100 miles an hour all the time. I'm just speaking about myself. Um, why isn't the group growing? You know, we used to have another group, and why is the group growing? Because well, God was waiting for us to grow up so he could send more people, and we get these leading of the Holy Spirit. Why? What, what if we had a 1,000 people tomorrow? Who's going to disciple them? Who's going to put a, hey, we can't keep up with 10 phone calls a day. They don't keep up with a 1,000 phone calls a day. <laughs> but these are all the processes that we go through. But when God's manifest presence comes upon you, it's easy. And I know, like I said, the windows of heaven will open in certain situations. And I've learned to, to be guided by the Holy Spirit. There's times where God is just digging deep into us. He wants to dig, dig, and dig, and dig to hit a foundation. And there's times where God says, look, there's a harvest. Go and get it. And there's times where he just supernaturally moves through us and we need to know the season. Amen. It's very important to know the seasons. That we're in. But nothing, whether I'm in the depths of the pit or on the top of the mountain, I still need his presence. I still need his presence. Whenever I'm on top of the world, things are going good, I've got to get go back to his presence. When I'm down the the pile of dung, I need to look up and ask for his presence. Because it's very important to understand that on the day of Pentecost, you became the Temple of the Holy Spirit, you house the presence of God. So it's up to now. It's not up to God now. It's up to you. It's up to you because that's according to your faith. Do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. That's because me and you have to do that. Don't. When you fast, you and I have to do that. When you pray, you and I have to do that. When you give, you and I have to do that. When you forgive, you and I have to do that. God's not going to do it. The Holy Ghost is not gonna do it. You and I have to do that. When you believe, who has to do the believing? God or me? You get the picture. And it's not about doing to get, it's about being who you're meant to be. Is that make uh, if that makes I have to be who God's called me to be? And if there's things that have to die in me, if I have to go through some crushing process, and I'll be through many crushing processes. Hallelujah! I've been for many time. I often say to get good grapes, to get good wine, you have to crush the grapes. To get good oil, you have to crush the olives. To get good su- chocolate Sundays, you have to crush the nuts. No, that's silly. Don't worry about Sunday, but you get what I mean. They have nuts on the Sunday anyway. His presence. He's His anointing. It's a beautiful place to be. And how he cut through the sound. I heard this story. He says, you can go into the city and there's birds in the city and there's many things happening in the city. You can't hear a bird. You might hear one or two if there's a whole flock of them. Because in the city... You got noises, you got planes over, you got trains, you got cars, you got people. You know, it's just hustle and bustle. But when reps takes us hunting and we go out in the bush, we hear one bird, we hear a snake go through the grass. You hear it. Well, look, what was that? Now, they normally can hear it when I'm not talking, but you get my point. But you can go out into the wilderness, into the bush, and hear one bird, hear one. You know you, your senses. Why there's no more external noise? We go back into the city, and it's hustle and bustle. Well, are we allowing the hustle and bustle of life? So we can, we stop hearing what the voice of the Lord is. Are we not switching off? Are we are we are we still? Are we hearing too many noises? Are we in the middle of chaos, and not listening to the voice of the Holy Ghost? Because it's easy when you're in your bedroom on your own worshiping God. It's easy when we come together at church and we're praising God and reading our Bible. Hallelujah. It's easy when I have a cup of coffee with you and we can talk about the Lord and we're bouncing off each other via revelation after revelation. But when I go out into the world where I need all that in the world, or am I consumed by the noises? But if I shut down the noises, my senses are a lot more clearer. Sharing this not long ago about our five senses we got sight, we got hearing, we got smell, we got taste, and we got touch. Well, those five senses are in the natural, are in the spiritual as well, and in the soul as well. And when we activate our natural senses, I mean, we all hear can use our five senses. But sometimes when we're not concentrating, we can, someone's calling you, you don't hear them. Uh, or I'm consumed watching something and they talk. someone's talking to you, I'm not listening. They have natural five senses. You got to get someone who's blind or someone who's deaf and their senses are more awake because they have to rely on them more often. They, they, they've learned to train their senses. Well, those five senses in the natural in the spiritual as well, and just like we got to train ourselves, as a little kid, yep, a little kid get up and run across the room when he first takes his first steps. When he gets to know how far, oh, you gotta run into the walls, you gotta run into the door. He gets to know, okay, I'm gonna stop here. And all these, you activate your senses. So, the Lord wants us to activate our spiritual senses. And what I'm saying to you tonight is not just to get a word of knowledge or see in the spirit or hear from the Lord or feel the Lord what he's doing or, but where he wants us to come in, sit down and listen to him. There's times where he just wants us to shut everything down and to listen to him and allow his presence to fall in his temple. Hallelujah. Because our hearts are ready to receive what the spirit of God has to say. And there's times where we get wandering off and we consume what's going on. Are we natural human beings? And God understands that. And Paul says it beautifully that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. If someone knows that scripture, that just came to me. Yeah, I think it's in Hebrews. If someone can find that for me, nothing can separate us from the love of God. No height, no depth, no width. can separate us from his love. What's he saying here? He says, no matter where you think you're at, My love is sufficient, and that love should be not to stay where we are, but to get into his presence and allow his presence to fall, because God is encouraging us at this time. Romans 8.39. Beautiful. Thank you, Enoch, theologian Enoch. Let's go to Romans 8.39. 39. I knew where I was, but I just wanted to see if you guys were awake. We go from verse 37. Look what he says here. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. I may not be where I want to be, but I know where I've come from and I know where I'm going to. Hallelujah. And that knowing that the love of God cannot be separated from us, it could entice me to go deeper into the things of God. It entices me to go into his presence, to allow his presence to overwhelm his temple. You know, we love to quote that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and then we like to use that against people that are sinning. (laughs) That is true. But the temple of the Holy Spirit in the context is this. He goes, I want to fill that temple with my presence. Because what happened on the day of Pentecost? Can someone please tell me? What happened on the day of Pentecost? when his presence, when his power fell upon him, guess what happened? The same Peter that was scared of the Jews hiding from the Jews is the same Peter that went and preached to the Jews that very day. And 3,000 came to know Christ that day. There's something about his presence. His presence dictates your life. His presence is what we need to go through. See. We can quote scriptures, I'm more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who says me. We can get all the blueprint of what he's done, but not have the power to do it. But he wants to envelop us and come upon us and teach us to walk in those directions. People say, oh, God's got a plan for my life, but you never spent five minutes praying to find out what the plan is. Oh, God set me free. but. You walk in bondage. God loves me, but you can't love anyone else. (laughs) God's healed me, but I walk around sick. And this is not a condemnation to anyone. This is the journey that we're on. That's why we need his presence. Hallelujah. That's why we need his power. Hallelujah. Power and presence is two different things. He's the same person, but his presence enveloped us. It overwhelms us with who he is, and his power is the operation of when he's come upon us. Remember when they had Jesus, Jesus said, wait for the promise to come. Why? They couldn't go and do what they wanted to do. They had to wait for him, that temple, to be filled so they could manifest who he was. Otherwise, if they did it beforehand, they would have done it in their own strength. They can't be in their strength. It has to be in God's strength. God strengthens us to overcome. Amen? It's a pretty simple message, but it's a message to encourage you that he wants to use us more than we're willing him. He wants to answer our prayers more than we're willing to pray. He wants to spend time with us more than we're willing to spend time with him. If if there's one thing I've learned over these years is this, I will only get what I'm prepared to die, to receive. I'll only get from God. See, I must die that he may live. See, I must be prepared to give up and to die to things that he can live through me. Can't have it both ways. I want to understand the power and the presence of God in my life. But for many people say to me, well, God doesn't speak to me. I haven't heard His voice. All these things, and, and can I can I put a little balance on that as a, as a pastor, as a shepherd, as a guy that you know walking alongside people? And I said, listen to me. Someone else's experience is not doesn't have to be your experience. I have three sons, and my relationship with every son is different. My love for them is doesn't change. It's not not higher or lower, but my The way I deal with them is different. And when I come to God, my walk is not your walk. You have to find that secret place that you and him. You have to find that place how he communicates with you. You have to find that place where, Lord, I'm not leaving till you speak to me. And it doesn't have to be audible. Please get that out of your head. I'll be worried if you're hearing voices every day. (laughs) He speaks to you through his word. He speaks to you through your inner witness. He speaks to you in the inner witness in your spirit. The Bible says your spirit uh, agrees with the spirit of God. He speaks to you through revelation knowledge. The greatest way he speaks to you is when things that you're struggling with, you no longer struggle with. Hallelujah. When The lights come on, basically, when you'll be reading something or fellowship with someone. When all things have passed away, he's speaking to you. If I'm speaking to you and the old things keep coming back up, then he's not speaking to you. And what I mean by that is that when he fills your that his temple, you you have to if you don't understand that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, you're gonna get nothing. You're still a slave looking for a savior, you're a servant working for a master. We are sons and daughters with the servant's heart. We are sons and daughters slave to his righteousness but we can't come as slaves. We come as children and allow him to fill the temple. Very important. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. His word and his spirit bring life. It has to be in that order. I'll be worried that if you all you ever did was have spiritual encounters, but you never read his word. And it's a problem when you... You can become legalistic in his word and you don't let the Holy Spirit move upon it. But the word and the spirit bring life. I've met people that are powerful in the word but haven't seen the Holy Spirit move once in their life. I've heard people that they're getting these encounters with the Lord but they never go back to his word and both fall, both collapse. Because when I have an absolute truth, I'm absolutely right about what I say. It's trouble, but I need the Holy Spirit to come upon the Word in me. I need the Word to be placed in me when the Holy Spirit is upon me. I need to have the two going together. That's why I I stay on the narrow road. I often say this to people: "I'll never be deceived." I go, "You already are." If you think you can't be deceived, you are already deceived. But so I say, "I'll never fall." I said, "Well." That's what Peter said. But he said, I'm not like them. But when I say, Lord, protect my heart from the evil one. that I thank you for the faith you've put inside me. Paul, give me your presence. Give me your presence. Because his presence isn't to fulfill the calling. You don't get baptized in the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues. If you're looking for tongues, don't get baptized. But you want him. We don't want the anointing from heaven. We want the one in heaven who gives the anointing. We don't want just the healing. We want Jesus, the healer. The, the, the children of Israel wanted the benefits of the kingdom, benefits of God, but they didn't want God. God says, let them go and let my people go so they can worship me in the desert. And it's when it breaks God's heart as a father. And his children, only come to him for what they can get from him. And he goes, I want to fill your presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want to finish off with the story of a, of a man that um, he, he, how can I say this? He lived the whole, his whole life. And he raised these kids. He was a preacher. I'll never forget this story. And when, when his son was young, he was too busy. He was too busy preaching. He was too busy teaching. He was too busy reading books. And he was a man of God. And his kids grew up. And he was busy in the ministry, busy serving the Lord. And he got older. And his son got into a lot of trouble. And he loved his son. He went out and got his son, spoke to his son, brought him home. He was in trouble with the law. because He was a teenager by that time. He goes, listen to me. Tell me what's wrong. And his son looked at him and said, now you want to listen to me. Now you want to talk to me. Whenever I wanted to talk to you, you're never there. you will never in it. A- Whenever I wanted to be around you, you're never there. And he left. And this man sat there for a minute. And he could have said, you rebellious kid, you this and that. And the kid was rebellious and the kid was out of order and the kid was in sin. But when this man of God who led thousands, millions and trillions to the Lord sat down and prayed and the Lord said to him, your presence in your house, you being there doesn't mean your presence is there. You were in the house, but your presence was not there. And you need to go and teach him, ask him to forgive you and bring him back into my presence now. Because the preacher understood one thing. He knew the word back to front. He's done doing all the things for the Lord. And then he got a, a rude shock himself that he never really sat with the Lord himself. And, he, and the Lord had to show him through his son that even though he wrote books and studied the word and, and taught conferences and, and he was an author, He never really sat in the law. And I remember as a young believer listening to this, I'm thinking, how does that work, man? Like that guy, you know, I couldn't remember the guy's name. He's an old one, And he sat there with his son and spoke to his son, and God restored that relationship mightily. And then you know what the father said? So I started to remember things. I started to go, when I was working outside, he'd follow me. When I'd go to the toilet, he'd be waiting at the door for me. He goes, then if I went to a trip, when I was coming home, he's waiting at the front door for me. And it's like, I, I love my son, but I sort of brushed him aside because I had things to do. And and then he realized that his son was longing to be with the father. And he goes, and the, this preacher man said, how many times did I shun my son? And how many times did God wants us to do with him? Wherever God goes, you want to follow. Hallelujah. Wherever God is, I want to be there. If I can't feel him around, I'm going to grab his word. If I don't feel his I want to go worship him. It's like a little boy, like, I remember my son when he was born. I go to the toilet, he's waiting at the front door for me. Waiting for me to get out of the dunny. He wanted to be everywhere with his dad. How much more us with our heavenly father? And it was amazing. I don't even remember who this guy was. And when I watched it, I just don't know. I can't remember. It was very early. And I went, wow. Wow. And it's a longer story than what I said, but the essence of it was this man was an old man and he realized as an old man who did amazing things for the Lord, didn't do one thing right, was coming to God's presence. And he learned that because he didn't allow his son to come into his presence. But God is the restorer of all things, amen? He restores everything. You know what? And his goodness is new. His mercies are new every morning. Isn't that a beautiful promise from the Lord that no matter how much we stuff up, if we're willing to come back, the mercy of God comes to you every morning, every day. So I want to leave you with that. I want to leave you with the the fact that in the Old Testament, look at it, there's no mistake, 120 in upper room worshiping God in one accord. The presence of God came down. They couldn't handle his presence. Wow. That's why I now I often think when Jesus said to the disciples People long, the people of old long to see what you're about to see. That John the Baptist is the greatest man ever born of a woman. But in the least in my kingdom is greater than John. Why? I love what Pastor Celia said. He goes, when he had that dream, he said, can't wait to see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the patriarchs. And he says, no, you got it wrong because they can't can't wait to see you because they're going to ask you, what was it like to have God's presence living on the inside of you? We saw it from a distance. We saw it behind the veil. We saw it, but you had it living on the inside of you. What did you do? Did you walk on water? Did you raise the dead? And I thought, wow, what an amazing thing that we are living in a time and an age. Listen to me. Don't look what's in front of you. Don't go by what you see. Go by what the word of God says. We're living in a time and a dispensation of history like never before. Things are happening quick. Things go bad quick and things get good quick. The Bible says that in the last days, Daniel said, knowledge will increase. People are going to and fro. That'll be the last day sign. Well, knowledge is increasing. Your phone is already three years old now, four years old. Technology is going crazy. Things are happening quicker. And the Lord's moving you just as quick. God hasn't lost control, amen? But he still wants the people not to get caught up in the rat race. He wants the people to sit and allow his presence to fill his temple. You may not, can I say this way? They're only one accord, yeah? But you need to come into an agreement with the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit. I need to, what does fasting do? Shut the flesh up so the soul can be touched, so the spirit can all come in alignment, so we can be in agreement so God's presence can fall. The flesh accounts for nothing, but the spirit gives life. And when I understand those principles, I understand that even when I don't know what to do or what to say, I'm just going to sit in his presence. Call upon his name and he's waiting for you. Amen. And those listening on Facebook, YouTube, or whoever listens to this later, need to understand that God is looking out the windows of heaven to fill you with his spirit. He wants to wash you with the blood of Jesus. He wants to make a new creation, make you a new species in him. He wants to form him in you, that you can be a living vessel. You can be an earthly vessel with full of treasures. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, it's pretty simple. The Bible says, "Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved." But yeah, you're gonna believe in your heart, and confess from your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that He went to that cross, died for your sin. Don't listen to the don't listen to the world, don't listen to people that don't even know you. We are more inclined to believe people that we don't know, instead of believing the one that He died for us, who does know us. So give your life to Jesus. It's going to be 19 years next week that I was touched by the mighty power of God. 19 years. It's a great journey with him. This world is tough. This world is hard. So imagine doing it without him. But we have him. He lives through us. He's washed us. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. i give him all the glory and all the power. And I ask him every day, thank you, Father, for what you've done for me you can have that same relationship with Jesus just 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 tell him that you're a, that you need you need him as a savior repent of your sins without repentance there's no there's no entry you've got to repent let the blood of Jesus wash you cleanse you and let him fill you with his spirit you have to do that you have to bow on knee to the lordship of Jesus and he doesn't expose you to your sin to, to hurt you. He heals you. He removes you. He wipes it clean like it never happened. He puts a new spirit and a new heart on the inside of you. And I thank you. So, Father, I thank you for anyone that's listening to the sound of my voice that needs to be filled with your presence, Lord. I would ask you, Lord, that you would fill them with your mighty presence, that they'll have an encounter and experience with you not head knowledge, but a heart knowledge. Wash them clean. Write their names in the Lamb's Book of Life. Holy Spirit, have your way with them. Let the name of Jesus be exalted. I thank you, Father. Anyone that's sick, Lord, that you're on the cross, that by your stripes, they are healed. Anyone suffering depression, anxiety, we come against that in Jesus' name. For God never gave you a spirit of fear, but he gave you a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And I thank you right now for the healing power upon them right now. Renew their minds, Lord. I thank you for the wave of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you said that if you be exalted, you draw men unto you. Well, Lord, you are the exalted one. And we thank you, Lord, right now, for many that would come into the kingdom. Lord, I thank you for provision, for those who need provision. For those who need wisdom, let him ask. Lord, you give to those that ask. I thank you, Father, for financial breakthrough. I thank you, Father, that when things look bleak, that you would flip things in their favor. You closed many doors and you opened many doors. You are our provider. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, bless you guys. Thank you for spending time with us this Monday. And um, we uh, look forward to hearing from you. Testimonies. Next week, I'll share some testimonies. But uh, right now, I just want you to understand that God is encouraging you. God loves you. Look up and see your salvation. God is a good God and his mercies are new every morning. Be blessed and we love you. See you on Thursday in Jesus' name. Amen.